0: what's going on guys welcome to another episode of eastern current i do not have a beard anymore uh to be completely honest with you i've been on a strict diet lost a good bit of weight and i was like i'm gonna shave my beard off and see if i lost my face fat and i didn't lose my face fat so the beard's coming back pretty quick um as quickly as it can grow back but um this is me without a beard everyone's been a little shook so i'm just saying it is me I'm, no one's hacked the podcast. Uh, but, yeah, thank you all for uh, for tuning in. We're super stoked about this episode. We've got an um, a awesome guy on from Texas again, uh, another Texas guy, which I've learned so much from everyone we have on from Texas because our fishing styles are so different. Uh, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, let's talk about our specific area. And, yeah, it does help to talk about, like, Wilmington, North Carolina or, you know, Corpus Christi, Texas, if you live there, but also learning from other uh regions and other fisheries is is crucial and it's what pushes you and makes you a better angler so uh, i urge you if you're not from texas to still check this podcast out because there is a lot you can learn from it we actually have quite a few listeners from texas so if you are listening from texas thank you for tuning in before we get rolling be sure to check out eastern current fishing on facebook just a great place to connect with other listeners Uh, we have a patreon page with lots of extra content we're actually going to be hopping on there at the end of this podcast uh, and, and recording some Patreon content as well. Uh, we get early at, You get early access on Patreon to so all of our episodes. All of our uh, other videos are, are uploaded to Patreon immediately. And it's like five dollars a month, which is the cost of one cup of coffee a month. And we, we really appreciate all the support over there. Um, and go check out our Instagram page, Eastern Current on Instagram uh, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you listen just on uh, on the podcast platforms, definitely check out Washington now. I have a lot of my podcasts that I like to listen to. Uh, I've really started to like watching the video part of it because it feels like you're hanging out like you're more part of the conversation so check out the stuff on YouTube we got a bunch of fishing videos over there as well Um, but yeah so we're gonna talk with Dustin Nichols what's up man oh what's going on today man is trying to thaw out over here in this uh,
1: weather we got going on I know (laughs) man
0: I I, I guess some people aren't as connected with other fishermen from Texas Uh, I brought it up with a couple people I'm like do you hear about what's going on in Texas and they're like no (laughs) I'm like dude it's like (laughs) devastating over there um, but yes, uh, crazy
1: 30, 40 year storm. Yeah, You know, we had ice and snow sleet. Um, it was still some frozen precipitation this morning. We only had expected sea high of around 31 today. Um, mm. we had lows in the teens the past couple nights before. So it's definitely affecting our fishery. So, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, from when I can get a signal, our phone cell our signal had been the best of them. We're having rolling blackouts with the with power. You know, so we're we're having to deal without being without power. So we have a generator on standby just to jump, you know, run the refrigerators and everything and all that good stuff. And, and uh, but it's you're seeing some stuff on social media that's pretty uh, heartbreaking yeah. uh, from some of the fisheries and stuff. You know, it, it definitely is.
0: <laughs> you were saying pre-show that that there's been some fish kills, but pretty localized so far, at least, is what it seems. As so far, that's that's what it seems like. Um, I know. Some of my
1: local waters I fish around the Port O'Connor, if you're familiar, uh, around there. Um, that's a pretty cool little fishing town here. This is still kind of a small scale. Yeah. <laughs> it could get crowded in summer, but uh th- there's some areas there that are known for some some bigger trout populations and some some, some good sized fish. And if the fish didn't get out of the, the back back lakes and areas the then then they suffered. There's a lot of stunned fish. Uh, I've seen some videos from uh, that area down there around Pringle and stuff, um, if you're not familiar with it. But you know, it, it's, there's usually some good fish in there yeah. this time of year as it starts to wind. When we had had, preceding this front, we had had some more, the water tip of warmbuck back up into the uh, low 60s, up to mid, mid 60s. So it was, uh, the fish didn't get out. You know, we, we did have a gradual cool off before the, the major two fronts hit. So um, hopefully some of the fish got deep, you know, but but what we're seeing is some, some localized kills and stuff around Rockport. Mm. Matagorda areas, Port Isabel, a lot of our snook and uh, tarpon population that have been moving northward with the uh, tropical temperature trends we've had over the mild winters over the past few years. So um, you're seeing some dead snook and, uh, and tarpon also, which is juvenile tarpon, which yeah. is pretty pretty uh, saddening. Yeah, you see tough, that. Man. And man- mangrove snappers and all that have all moved up this way up towards Galveston, even up towards no calcasieu and all that in Louisiana. Um so I haven't heard any reports from up there of Galveston anything too bad or, or Sabine or any of that. But I know there's some pictures floating around of, of uh, you know, some bayou areas in Matagorda Bay that were frozen. I've seen some pictures of port O'Connor, the bay side of the intercoastal, um, where the little jetties come out. It's frozen over mm-hmm. Port Vaca area. I fish a lot. Had some
0: ice on the shallows and stuff. So it's... it's Pretty crazy. <laughs> this crazy, man. We had—I guess it was four years ago. Now was our last uh, big freeze, and it crushed our trout and redfish. Uh, yeah. That's the thing: is those quick drops, those quick temperature changes, is what gets them. Um, I, to, even today, on my charter, we were in an area that had a bunch of trout in the creek leading in, and then uh, some redfish back in the back. And so we went in, and there was dolphins waiting to get across the sandbar to where the trout hang out. Oh, and because yeah. <laughs> they, they get so cold and they just sit there and the dolphins yep. crush them this time of year. And so I got, I like, you know, got up on plane, Jack played it up and like circled the dolphins and pushed them all the way out the creek, <laughs> idling behind them. And they were like running away from my boat. I was like, you're not, cause there's some big trout in this one creek that the water's super clear right now. You can see them. And so oh, wow. we get, we go back through and I was like, I'm not even going to mess the trout. I'm just going to go to the redfish. Cause the, the dolphins were harassing them. I just did donuts on my boat there to run the dolphins off. And we get back in there and are fish for the redfish for like 10 minutes. And I hear Krush! and look back and the dolphins are like throwing trout up on the bank behind me eating them. I was like, all right, I tried. So yeah, I tried to try to help them out. I tried to help them out. I tried to help them out. Do y'all see that as much of an issue out there when it gets cold, the dolphins really taking advantage of the trout. Yeah. They, they take advantage of them all year. Pretty yeah. Much that's every true. Yeah.
1: Uh, there, there's an area I fished, um, outside of Indianola, um, the, uh, powder horn area, uh, shoreline over there. And yeah. there's an old narwhal one that it shows up every year. It's got like barnacles on its dorsal fin and stuff. And I'm telling you, it doesn't, it doesn't try to harass the fish, but it sits there and waits for you to catch them ones that are kind of jacked up, you know, might hook them a little deeper, something a little slower to swim away when you try to release them. And, and he'll sit, he'll sit there and, and, and take them.
0: Really?
1: I mean, I've seen he's him more trained. than a few seasons, more than a few times, April, May, in the same area. Same dorsal. You can see he's got barnacles on this thing. Yeah. I mean, it's the craziest thing. And then you see him up in the, some of the areas you wouldn't expect him to see. Some of the back lakes and stuff, you'll see him in there pushing redfish around and stuff sometimes. And it's just like, you know, like here they come. They're going to ruin it today. <laughs> yeah, I know. Some, some of them will ruin it for you,
0: you know, if you don't shoo them out of there and try to move them, you know. And I'm out. I I fish strictly out of a kayak, you yeah. know, so. Um, when they jack you up, it's a little more painful because it's not like you can just get up on a plane and run away from them. Uh, well, yeah, well, I mean,
1: I, I can move a little bit. Yeah, that's true. That's true. An <laughs> electric motor does come, come in handy there yeah. sometimes. So, yeah, we can move around a little bit and and, and kind of move around in the areas and try to get back away from them sometimes. But, you know, they can be a nuisance at times. Hey, they're, they're trying to eat, too. You know, they're part of the, the balance of the ecosystem we have in our fisheries also. So it's kind of. For sure. Kind of a love hate relationship with them.
0: <laughs> I, I know. It, it, the way I look at it here, and I want to, I want to get your backstory too. This is the last thing I say about this. Yeah. I don't want to hear your backstory. Um, but it's like we deplete our resource commercially so badly already that the dolphins are now uh, an issue to, for the simple fact of we we personally have taken too many fish away. So the, then the dolphins this time of year are, are hurting it too. I mean the dolphins don't. They're not going to sit there and eat a hundred trout in a day like you know but but still it's like i'm like God. i need to do everything i can to help these fish survive but but um yeah take us through your backstory where you grew up how you got into fishing and and kind of you know where it's brought you and and where you hope it takes you
1: well dude man uh i grew up and born in southeast georgia in the golden isles brunswick st simon's island that's a killer Um, fishery there
0: too dude
1: it's killer i mean i grew up there with my with my dad, my grandpa, my granddad was the fire chief of the yeah. town in Brunswick for 26 years. Um, you know, and he loved to fish. Uh, he had multiple bass over 10 pounds in some neighborhood ponds, wow. and I was stoked to learn all that myself. Yeah. Um, we, we fished the inshore fisheries there, um, you know, and it was just totally different back then. They mm. were throwing the, the peerless nines, the 209 pin reels with the big nine-foot rods and the Dacron with the line dressing <laughs> and the big, thick floats and adjusting your depth. To, you know, because the, the tidal movement over there is so much more than over here. So, I mean, think about that. You know, being me, I was chasing the neighborhood ponds, and and I would go out there with my with my bass gear and like the, the man stingray crubs back in the day, those red and white ones, and I'd spank them because yeah. they were sitting there hauling that big. I was just, whatever. I was just throwing, and I mean, I would take some of my bass too back then and use them and catch catch trout. Like that's awesome. And they'd be all, always get mad at me, but yeah, I grew up over there. You know, um, the fish is totally different than what I'm. I'm like I'm eight now. foot tide I'm,
0: swings to like, what do you have yes. now, now tide wise? Two, Two foot yeah. and a half. But yeah, <laughs>
1: I'm in Texas now. I did, you know, almost five years in the Marine Corps. Um, moved back home from uh, California and Hawaii. So I didn't fish as much over there. Um, I grew up in more, um, you know, I fished my whole life, but I was kind of into skateboarding and surfing industry for a while, which is <laughs> totally, you know, you're a waterman, so you're always around water too when you're surfing. Right, so right. fishing had always stuck with me. Um, but I moved to Texas in '96. And, um, you know, that just opened doors to like, man, there's people over here walking around fishing, you know, the, the, there's a big wade fish, you know, deal over here where we have, you know, those, those shallow flats and, and, you know, grass flats, sandbox and all that, and you can get out and wade in. And, uh, that opened up the door just fishing before I would go surf. I would, you know, go catch a few fish here and there, you know, and stuff like that at walking spots. Yeah. Then the kayaking thing started, the craze started going, you know, I think I've been in a kayak for about eight or nine years now and it's, uh, just opened up that much more area and so much more you can get back into places that boats can't, which is really cool. And the ease of access where you can launch, you know, any easement that you can get to the water or bridge, you can slide down and jump in. It's just, it's it's easy. Yeah, that's super cool. It just kind of went from there. And then I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in Victoria, um, it's called the Crossroads. I'm about an hour and a half from everywhere—Austin, Houston, San Antonio, Corpus Christi. I'd be at the water in about 28 minutes, but where I work, I can launch in within five minutes of where I work. Wow. I'm a process operations uh, operator at a um, at a petrochemical plant. know, um, I'm right there in Point Point Comfort, Texas. So I'm Lavaca Bay area. I fish a lot of that over there, uh, which is some pretty good redfish and some. Some trout haunts over there I can get into, but I'm, I'm real close to Port O'Connor, so I get over there too. Nice. A lot. But th- this area is just, I mean, I can drive two hours and be it, you know, down to Port Mansfield in about two and a half, three hours. Um, be at Rockport in for 40 minutes, uh, be at Matagorda in 35, 40 minutes, Matagorda Bay areas and yeah. everything. So, I'm around some 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 great fisheries here, yeah. which is
0: which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, man, T- Texas is one of those places that I have fished a bunch, and and this isn't me like being like, oh, I fished over, but I fished a bunch in Florida, I fished in Georgia and South Carolina yep. a good bit, and never been. I fished Texas, I fished Galveston Bay one day um, with a friend while I, I used to live down in Louisiana in the winters and fish. Yes, and I used to not give a rip about trout. I used to not care at all about. I mean, I I like catching trout, but like then the whole I got kissed cursed with the whole like you know big trout bug and like trying to catch bigger <laughs> fish and like not it's not about catching a bunch of them it's about catching some some quality ones and now all I want to do like if I were to spend money on a fishing trip somewhere right now it would, it would be to go target big trout um, yeah. but what was i going to say oh to kind of tell people cuz you're very you know involved in the fishing community there involved in the fishing industry um, kind of tell, take people through where you're at and tell people about your, your podcast. Cause I definitely, I will link. Oh yeah. Uh, link your podcast cool. in the show notes. I appreciate right that. In. man. Yeah. yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. I, um, you know, I've been fortunate to, to come on up in the kayak side of things. Um, I started off as just a regional team member with Jackson kayak and worked my way up to the national team. And now I'm on factory level and, uh and I run their team in the South region of the States. I'm the team manager here for them. And also, you know, I do, I travel and fish bass tournaments. I do, saltwater tournaments, I do whatever I can, but the the kayaking as a whole is just, this past year just went through the roof, you know. It, it, nobody can keep up with, with demand. You know, the supply is just catching up to everything from last year with COVID and how right. everything worked out. Um, but you know, I, I, I just love being on the water, period. I mean, I'm the same <laughs> so one. it just kind of transferred into this, I got on this team, you know, and then part of that was writing articles and i was like man you know i never liked to write in high school and my my senior year English Lit teacher comments on some of my posts and she's like it's crazy how when you write about something you love how much you enjoy and i was like yeah i would have never thought in a million years i'd be writing stuff in a magazine <laughs> 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 yeah, so i write for a, a texas uh uh magazine saltwater saltwater angler it's a free publication this this uh distributed through uh you know ads and stuff that are placed but there's captains from all over the coast here in texas and louisiana that write is distributed through over 900 locations you can uh check that one out online it's uh you know www.saltyangler.com um i write in there when i get a chance to throw something together i'm gonna throw something together today about this little uh arctic blast we've had here and <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> how it's gonna yeah. affect me for the for a little while hopefully not too bad but um you know, I just I'm just I'm fortunate to have support for some great companies and yeah. and uh, you know been been able to you know enjoy the events. The main thing is the camaraderie of our of our of our our industry. You know, if, if y'all aren't familiar familiar with the kayak side of things, you know, a, a lot of our tournaments are based on uh, CPR, which is catch, photo, release. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't throw five bass in the live wheel on your kayak. Now, even though some of our redfish events here are, you bring two live redfish to the weigh-in, but we have we have live whales rigged up on our kayaks for redfish now.
0: Wow. And we have
1: a 2 circulation. That uh, We did fish a um, a trout tournament um, about a month and a half ago. Me and three other uh, solid anglers here uh, on our kayaks. They let us fish against the boats. And it was a live weigh-in for biggest trout. And we brought all our fish in alive, and they were all released. And we ended up in third place out of, like, 54th. Wow.
0: Well, that's awesome. Which, is, uh,
1: which was ruffling some feathers pretty good. But, you know, it, it's just – I like the whole, you know, conservation side of the CPR, and that's basically where it started. Was from the bass fishing side of things. Yeah, um, Dad Hoover from Kayak Bass Fishing. That's KBF started the whole deal with the measuring and the taking a photo and submitting. There's like a tournament management systems that you download the app on your phone. There's Turning X and there's Fishing Chaos, and so on and so forth. That's how you host your tournaments, and you get a unique identifier that you place on your measuring stick that are certain measuring boards yeah. are approved by the tournaments. And then you take a photo of the fish and you submit it. And then you're it auto, auto calls, your small fish and everything like that. You have month long challenges. Um, you have one day tournaments or two day tournaments or live tournaments for that matter. Right. Um, but with, that's the whole deal with the way the, the pandemic has been going on that, you know, everybody's was going to these virtual tournaments and have a virtual captain's meeting on Facebook. And everybody watched the captains. you go out and fish, you know, your eight hours and you submit all your fish and then, you pay out through PayPal, <laughs> and yeah. you still, you're still you still fishing tournaments without having that big group. Right, anyway. yeah, for sure. That's the main thing that's, that drew me into the kayak fishing world really quickly, besides me just love being on the water, was the camaraderie of everybody coming together. Definitely. There's it, very seldom some drama. There's some here and there, but it's, it's, it's not. But then, you know, the, the stealth approach of that thing is, is what's really led me in the direction of, you know, this time of year here from – October, November into March, April was when I really kind of focused on chasing the bigger trout, and that's yeah. what what really led me um, onto that kayak and, and chasing big trout was the, the stealth approach
0: of it. So you know, it, it's just uh, I can I can ramble on and on about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the beautiful thing about having you on for a podcast, man. If you if you love talking about fishing, you're in the right spot. Um, yeah. But tell people before we get before we get into it too much uh, about your podcast.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, I, um, I'm i part of a, a big network of, it's called Paddle and Fin Network. It's a podcast network. And my segment is called Chasing the Tide. Um, it's a saltwater kayak fishing segment there on the Paddle and Fin Network. Um, we're all across all podcast platforms. Um, uh, we use uh, anchor.com helps distribute us through everything. So you can look up on Podbean, CastBox, Google, iHeartRadio, um, Spotify, whatever uh Apple Podcast, all that we should be there. Just look up paddle and Finn, and yeah. then all our episodes will be under there. Paddle paddle in fin paddle the letter N in and fin.
0: Sweet. So
1: awesome. yeah, there's there's if, there's shows for everybody. There's hunting segments, there's traveling, there's destination, there's bass fishing for noobs, there's tackle talk gear reviews, um, and then there's an episode that does tournament breakdowns and all that kind of stuff. So That's we got some for everybody, and then we got a saltwater kayak second version. <laughs> yeah, I like it.
0: I like it, yeah. It, right. dude, It's crazy even here how much saltwater kayak fishing is blowing up. Just the access to to the be, uh, ability to have a vessel for yourself, like have a boat, to get out there on the water. Um, and then, you know, w- one thing that people struggle with with kayaks here is like a lot of guys just launch them at the boat ramps. But I think when you get creative and find places, you know, that are a little different to go launch, maybe not necessarily allowed, but but getting creative with your boat launches, that's when it really kind of is such a huge, you know, advantage to you to be able to sneak around. You
1: know, that's the thing. We can't give the kayakers a bad name, but – Go ahead and pull off to the side and get your stuff ready. Get you a cart, a sea tug, or something to wheel it down through the ramp and then launch as quick as you can. Oh yeah, that's one of my worst things. and That's my pet peeve. As being, I got friends that have boats and I fish out of boats a lot too, is seeing that person pull down through the ramp and then start offloading their stuff for it even, and then they're just blocking the ramp. You know, it's just like
0: ah. <laughs> I don't do that. No, them. that is that's a good point, but that like that's not chair, what I was getting head head at. Head I, I mean, I was, yeah, <laughs>
1: but finding the out of the out of the way spots um you know to launch and, and slide down in that area you can where you can go underneath the culvert and get into a back lake stuff like that is where it really shines yeah um and there there's google earth and on x is are some stuff um some apps that you can look on and just find find where you want to go that's basically what it is i know there's a lot of there's a lot of youtubers out there that are blowing up a lot of spots and it's starting to really get out of control uh, I might take some flat for that, but oh <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the, the spot blowers. No. Um but um the thing is man, you know, I don't want to spoon feed people. Right. I mean I'm I'm here to help. I love helping people helping new anglers. But man Almost time on the water is what's going to get you results. Yeah, you got to get out there. Somebody can tell you, I'm catching fish here, and you can go there and not set up the right way on that reef and not catch a fish. Yeah, definitely,
0: definitely. And and it's a dangerous slope to start sliding on, uh, you know, getting that kind of information for yourself. Because at the end of the day, it just makes you, like, this greedy. it, It breeds this, like, Kind of greedy angler that doesn't want to work for you know the, the knowledge there's nothing wrong with shortening the learning curve helping people right and exactly. teaching and building that community and the camaraderie and expressing the importance of conservation but when you just hand somebody something that needs to be earned that's when all of that goes through the window and there's no desire to be you know a conservation-minded angler you know you don't realize exactly. the importance exactly. and the, the effort it takes to actually accomplish the goal when someone says hey, here's a pin, boom, yeah, go check that out and fish it an hour before low tide. You go in there and it's like, you know, there's nothing, the way I look at it too is like a, a lot of me and my buddies at this point now share information back and forth like that. Yes. But we're also already out there learning new and, you know, it like once you're sharing equal information back and forth with a, with a, a buddy or a... Yes. a fishing partner yes. then that's okay but when it's like the the take totally take, take 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 yeah <laughs> yeah yeah definitely yeah. it's it's dangerous man yeah. it is very dangerous Yeah, i'll get on a grind like exactly. that sometimes in the summer where yep. like i'm like a, somebody one of my buddies will feed me two or three things and then i just go beat that up for like a week and and then it's it's like all right what what do i do now these fish aren't here anymore you know, you get, yeah. and, and even stuff i find you know you got to keep the wheels turning you got to keep keep checking stuff and um it's easy to get sucked into especially guiding or trying to yeah. create content guys that are YouTubers trying to create content. they get sucked into the, you know, the 100% you know, you, instead of getting out there and working and failing and learning and, and all that.
1: Yes. Um, yeah. i I have a YouTube channel myself. I don't post like, you know, I, I, the algorithms with all of that social media stuff, just, I don't have time to post a video every week. Right. Even if it's just a three to five minute video, I just don't. I just don't have the time to do that. I would love to. right? But yeah, when I have a couple of good trips here and there and I filmed, I'll, I'll put a video out here and there. You know, I got some, you know, uh, I worked as a chef at some point in my life and and I love food, so I have some some pretty good catching cooks on there. Heck yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> I have some some uh, some pretty good uh, redfish videos from the fall. I have a couple of I had some footage of some trout, nothing giant, you know, 27 and three quarters, and some 25s or something here and there, but nothing over 30 on video. I, I'm still waiting to break that mark myself. I've had a 29 and three quarter and some 28 and a half here and there, and like a bunch of fish over 27, but nothing over 30. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, spoon feeding. I just, I don't know. I can't get behind that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I mean, like you said, I, I love, like, uh, you know, helping to learn curve out, you know, and all that good stuff definitely uh, you know I, I'm all about that and the camaraderie and everything too but you know it's just ah, it's just that that spot burning it, it hits me pretty hard
0: <laughs> yeah I agree man I agree It's it, it's gotta yeah. be earned it, it, you know it, yeah. it's not, something's not stuff's not respected until it's earned I mean you can look across yeah. any any avenue or anything in the world you know when it's when some, someone's handed something the respect for it is yeah. not there and the uh, you know the the value for it is not there. But um, well, let's talk a little bit. We, you were talking about some of your bigger trout. Let's kind of get into talking trout fishing for a little bit. Yeah. Um, All right. So historically, when is kind of y'all's y'all's time of year that that you want to like? This is the time of year to go catch big fish.
1: I I really like the target of this tiny time, time of year. Um, you do got the fish that move a little deeper here and there off of the structure and reefs, yeah. And, um, you know, they, the, the, bigger fish will come up on those, those days that warm up in the afternoons and stuff around the softer, um, shell and mud bottoms and stuff. Um, you know, so I, I really like this time of year. Um, I'm normally not chasing redfish this time of year. Yeah. That's why I'm like, <laughs> you know, so I, I really like to, to focus this time of year. It's, it's, there's less boat traffic on the water normally when it's colder you know those those dreary you know little little bit more wind than you might want and little drizzle and rain and temperatures in the 50s and you know just get out there and move use your slow twitch baits around some structure and stuff just some days you might not even you might just get one or two swipes you know but it could be that that good fish you know like yeah i'm not out looking for numbers this time of year i'm out looking for the for the bigger fish, for sure. Right, right,
0: <laughs> man, that's super fun. Um, it's it's similar here. I mean, it starts to get a little colder, but but November, December, great big trout yep. times, and it'll start to get a little bit better as we get into March. Yeah, and February can be good too. We just need a couple warm yep. days. Do yep. y'all's fish transition? You know, from from deep to cold. Or from deep to shallow daily, like is that a thing that like they, as they middle can. of the day they get yeah. up shallower? Or is it more? They need more like a couple of days.
1: It all depends on the you know cloud cover and water temps and stuff kind of play into that. You know, uh, like this front we just had a super cold and super strong wind, so that wind just ex- helped whip all that cold air into the into the water cool that water off really fast. Also, so um, but yeah, on days that it, that you know you got some good sunlight and afternoons so and maybe that that uh that minor might line up at, you know, with the moonrise and sunset and, you know, the water temp could jump two or three degrees throughout the day. And those, those bigger fish will move up, you know, and, and be prowling the shallows following the bait fish up there for sure. Um, and, yeah, you know, normally this year, you know, this time of year, you know, as their metabolism slows down and everything, um, you know, I do like to, uh, to upsize my baits a little bit here and there, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel, the the bigger trout will definitely um expend more energy on a on a larger mullet or something than over a bunch of you know small little glass minnows or something or or smaller bait For fish sure. than, than the than the uh, than a bigger one I, I feel they'd rather come on out and hit something that's a bigger profile and stuff so i, I will you know adjust my side, my baits and stuff this time of year Depending on you know sometimes the barometric, barometric pressure will play into it also you know you might have to downsize because of that higher pressure and everything and they moved off they backed off a little bit um, but yeah there's a you know we do have some river estuaries in the area that the fish will move into um, on these these colder snaps and stuff and some yeah. deeper deeper deep holes in the rivers and everything that that you'll see but yeah on a on the warmer days I mean if you get some some good sunlight and it, it, it heats up those those shallow you know soft bottom areas with a little bit of mud and shell um they'll move on up sometimes and you'll be yeah. able to, to, to focus on some big fish up there if you find them yeah. you know like most of the time the fish could be there but they're just not they're just it's not their time to eat you know it just has to line up when they want to eat so like i said you could be out there you know three four hours and not even get a bite and then it just turns on all of a sudden just like i mean anywhere else that it, it can get like that too but I feel that this time of year, you gotta find the, you know, how they're gonna set up on the structure depending on if it's, it's wind or tide driven current. And uh, just being familiar with the areas of water that I'm fishing in also is, is, uh, you know, I, I run a, I mean, I'm, I'm on a kayak and I run a nine inch Raymarine <laughs> element yeah, <laughs> with my side scan and down vision and everything. So that's a pretty big and part so of I, your I, fishing. Yes, especially this time of year. Like in the summer, you can go and In spring, you know, water starts getting over 70. I'll throw top water a lot more and go target, you know, two and a half, three foot deep sand pockets and flats with the grass flats and everything along grass edges and stuff. Um, But this time of year, I'm I'm backing off five, seven, nine foot of water, finding some deep reef in the mid-bay reefs, some deep uh, oyster shells and structure, and uh, just trying to find the cutouts in the reef, the contours. And a lot of stuff is – so when we have lower tides, I really like to see the shape of the reef that I, I'm around sometimes. Like, we'll have those big fronts blow in and blow the tide all out. We'll get negative tides and everything. And um, it'll be shallow in that area, but I'll just be mentally making notes of, you know, having market waypoints on my stuff on my graph where I see the cutouts in the reef and can set back up on there the next time <laughs> I'm there when the water is higher, you know, so I can know those ambush points because I. I've had a lot of luck with my bigger fish is is setting up in the the spots to where they would ambush prey coming out depending on the way the water the current yeah. is, is set up by tide or winter to current. And it it doesn't seem like it's just spotty. It seems like it's it's a pretty much a good pattern for the area I've been fishing a lot lately.
0: Okay.
1: Up until before this front, you know.
0: Yeah. Well tell me a little bit about not even a little bit. Just explain to people because I, I, I've heard a lot of the Texas guy, guys call things, call it spots or areas, reefs, like the air fishing reef. But here, like a reef, if, if I said reef in North Carolina people, or South Carolina, people would be like, oh, an artificial reef like offshore for – Oh, yeah. So, well, oyster bar. Oyster bar. what you Sweet. call them
1: oyster reefs. Yeah, yeah, the oyster reefs. Yeah. Or a spoil bank um, from uh, sediment that was uh, used – um, when they're dredging, like our intercoast canals or canals that connect yeah. to little harbors and stuff. And then we do have some industrial harbor areas that have, uh, you know, 14, 15 foot deep water with little three and four foot deep shelves that drop off the edge. And I'll go target those edges with, uh, with uh, you know, slow sinking twitch baits and count them down or fish a little heavier jig head and get them down on the bottom. Ned rigs, <laughs> same yeah, thing. Yeah. You know, it depends on if you need to downsize some on those high barometric pressure days you know those bluebird skies and stuff sometimes they're they a little softer bite you know they might want something a little smaller it looks like a little sand deal or something you know so um yeah that that plays into it a little bit but yeah like I said is oyster, oyster reefs is what i'm talking about we have a lot of oyster yeah, yeah. Uh, they oyster our bays around here san antonio bay lavaca bay Matagorda water bay and all that you know there's oyster and boats everywhere but uh, when weather allows and i can get out on some of those deeper water oyster reefs it's it's a uh, you know it, that that scan, that side scan, does come in come in handy on those. Man, side scans is, is it, 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 it's great. Have it's you seen the new? A lot
0: more opportunities. Yeah. Have you seen the new active target and the the forward facing sonar that guys are running in, in the bass world now? Yeah. Like, yeah. The live scope. Live scope. And all scope and all the yeah, there's actually brackets for the kayaks now. Are there? Yeah.
1: Heck yeah. A lot of the guys on the bat, in the bath side of things are Around, are starting yeah. to tran- transition over in those. It's like video game fishing. It's the same thing with the side scan and the down vision. Right, right. You know, when you use a drop shot and kind of get on top of them and just – or you're yeah. doing a big slab spoon and jicking up in the schools and stuff. Um, you know, I'll, I'll use it like that too and in, in, in some of our – like I said, we have some river estuaries that they'll back up to in the winter this yeah. time of year. And there's some, you know, 25, 30 foot deep holes. Sometimes you'll find them just stacked in there. Um, you know, we do have some, some reservoirs that will release water depending on what their levels are with rainfall and stuff. So mm-hmm. you'll see like the thermo, you'll see it set up and you'll see the, the, the fresh water on top and the, you know, the, the fish will be underneath it. And you'll be like, you'll be catching trout and it'll be sweet as hell, it'll be really sweet on top. And yeah. you'll still ripping them you know? That's cool. Um, you, you know, you can usually stack up on them pretty good, but usually when you're doing that, you're just going to catch a few for dinner or something. I catch some decent fish in the rivers this time of year, but nothing like when I'm out in, a, you know, down around Port Mansfield or, or or that area's further south, uh, you know, trying to chase that big bite.
0: Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, yeah. speaking of big, you know, you always hear of corky, corky, corky when you talk to people from Texas and. And yeah. before the show, you were talking about how you do like to fish Corky, <laughs> but you were kind of sharing some other baits with me that, that you've transitioned over from the bass world. Uh, go yeah. and kind of share those with some of our listeners and, and explain how you fish them, why you like them, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, well, I, I love the corkies. You know, like you said, I, I, I throw the, the you know, Fat Boys, and I thought uh, Steve Brown actually makes his the, the jointed.
0: Yeah, those are sweet. I got a couple of those.
1: These are pretty sick, the, uh, the, the custom jointed and then the the soft iron excels you know this is some custom colors from yeah
0: that, that's sometimes. a good looking
1: color who makes that yeah, one colors coastal marsh paints these uh, okay. um he does some good stuff he's got some fat boys in this color and stuff and then another um you know they, you can't beat these right here this, this time of year, no. you know, if you're a patient, there's really no no wrong, no wrong way to work. Them. You know, you said, that's your age old question. I work them fast, like super fast, like a walking a dog under the water subsurface, you know, and there's float immersions also, but you know, I transition a lot of stuff from bass fishing, even to redfish also, but on the trout side of thing, I found I've had good results with, with bigger swim baits, bigger paddle tails from the bass side. And luckily this company here, MC swimmer, I have no. I'm not sponsored by them or anything. I just, but I found this pumpkin seed chart chartreuse tail one that has been insane. You know. Yeah, that's awesome. What's the size of how long tail. is it? That one's about six inches six long. Six inches, okay. Yeah, I run an eight alt beast EWG with a quarter ounce up uh, heel weight on that.
0: Little twist, just a twist lock on the front to get the. Yeah, just a know. twist
1: lock, yeah. Yes, sir. And uh, this is. These have been pretty. Pretty good to me on the, the deeper oyster reefs, yeah. the, you know, five and eight foot of water and slow rolling these down around the ambush points and getting some pretty pretty good sized fish to, to eat them. Heck yeah. And then I also transition on some of the shallower stuff, I, I use glide baits, that kind of resemble a mullet, you know. Yeah, heck yeah. Jointed <laughs> so glide a bait glide baits, just kind of twitch and reel and twitch and reel. This is the, oh, this is the four play Savage Gear, four play V2,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. This is a pretty good one too. Also, um, six cents make a couple good glide baits.
0: Yeah, They're pretty good. Have you fished um, you know, any I, wake
1: baits? I do fish wake baits. Yes. more in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, a little the water too. starts warming up, sixty-five to seventy. You know, I'll throw the you know the the Strike Pro hunchbacks are pretty good. Um, my buddy that paints my uh, some custom top waters for me um he paints some great looking little weight breaks and they're one knocker too they got a they got a knock in them it's really good but he paints my a lot of my top waters that i throw in the spring salty plugger he's a chris dodd he's a good friend of mine that, that paints some great great uh top waters for me that i like to throw yeah in. those are killer in the spring as it, as it warms up and these are these have like the, like the one knocker in the tail and four bbs in the head so they got a good little. Good little tone to them. Yeah. They're like called a steakhead They got kind of a weird shape head to them. But it's bone and orange. That's been money color too. But you know, I like the bigger profile baits, you know, this time of year, you know. Trying to draw that big bite, man. That's what it's all about to me. But when you got a downsize, you know, there's always uh I'm sorry about
0: that. No, you're good. You're good. Oh my phone was off. <laughs> it's downsizing <laughs> oh, it. <laughs>
1: And there's these uh there's this air tail shad that's, this this grande. This is actually I'm actually they, they support me, big sponsor of mine on the bass side. I had cashed quite a few checks on the bass side with a lot of their baits, and they transitioned over to the saltwater side and I got brought on with them to help with their colors and stuff, and this is a air tail shad. And what this bait is, it's like a it's almost like a fluke with a hollow tail.
0: Oh wow, that thing's but sweet.
1: It's got it holds a battle.
0: In the tail. There's a battle in the tail. Yes, sir. that is pretty sweet
1: so use a small screw lock little this this one's an eighth ounce or a sixteenth ounce and this is uh it, it's got a nice little enticing dance and zigzag in the water yeah. um we got some great colors on this one this one this one's a a good lure in the you know three to five foot range around that shell and then the grass and stuff when they start transitioning up to the shoreline as it warms yeah. up um those flats during the day sometimes if they move up this is a great one to throw a little bone and silver there's some I mean, there's all we, you name it. They probably got it. But yeah, I love those too. Um, this time of year, that they can, uh, you know, just it's a, it gives it a slow fall. It kind of gives it a neutral buoyancy with the a, a little lighter weight, so it looks more natural. You know. Yeah. So I like some natural looking baits. Sometimes you know the the, the crazy colors though, or <laughs> for some reason you're like. Gosh, why is a trout, there's
0: no pink freaking. I know, and this <laughs> thing's no bright pink. out
1: there. Why is that thing bubblegum pink and it's getting smoked?
0: <laughs> I know. Man, they're fun. trout are so funny. I always tell people, like, redfish, you know, they really don't care about color. It's more presentation. Trout care about presentation, but they also can really care. Like, some days they don't give a rip about color. Other days it's like you have to be throwing this color, this right. size to get eaten. Um, and it's funny you're talking about, you know, fishing these larger swim baits and larger profile baits for bigger bites. And, yeah, I, I agree, definitely, 100%. It does, you know, draw bigger bites and typically, you know, lessen your, your small fish bites. But it's crazy how how little of a fish will sometimes eat a freaking 7-inch oh, swim bait. Yeah. You'll get like oh, a 12-inch yeah. fish, smoke a 7-inch, like, diesel minnow. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'll
1: throw the, um, the Magnum flukes. They're like 10 inches. Yeah. <laughs> like the white ice color. yeah, and the yeah. Those I'll throw those on a, a like an eight or ten off, you know, weightless hook on the flats. And and I've, I've caught some decent trout doing that myself. But yeah, just like you said, you'd be surprised as how those, you know, 12, 14 inch fish will smoke something just as big as them. But you know, for sure, it, it goes to show you that they're, they're they're cannibalistic, you know, they're and they're the main thing is about them is they're opportunistic feeders. The trout will most of the time, if it's near it, it's going <laughs> and it's hungry, it's going to eat it. Yeah. So, it, it any opportunity has to
0: feed instead of the ambush stuff it does <laughs> definitely definitely um yes yeah, sure. trowder man trouter just such a fun fish i i think what it is is there's just so much to put together and figure out about them. redfish it's pretty cut and dry you know like if you see a redfish he's typically gonna eat and you can kind of throw whatever you want to him and it's cool it's visual you know it's it's a fun way to fish but the trout will freaking kick your butt some days which is what's fun about oh, it. Like yeah. when you think you yeah. got it figured out you know that they, they moved and they're gone, yeah. and the hardheads moved, in, the gaff tops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thankfully, we don't have to deal with gaff tops up here. That, oh man. man,
1: they'll smoke a topwater over here, and you'll think you got a five pound trout on, really? and you see all that that slime coming, and you're like, oh man. It's like, yep, they were here yesterday. They moved a little bit, so, so yeah, we deal with that too. But yeah, they'll smoke they'll smoke
0: artificials like crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> we would uh, we'd catch them quite often in Louisiana, like fishing and popping and corks or whatnot for for redfish. Um, yeah. I heard a story though. This was in Florida from a buddy in Florida that that there was like that you can actually eat. This sounds crazy. You can eat yeah. or like eat the uh, slime, and it's like a it's like a psychedelic hallucinogenic. Yeah, yeah. is that real? Was
1: supposedly, so it's like licking a toad or something yeah, for sure. No, but... <laughs> there
0: there was somebody that told me like there was like these kids that were like in some in southern Florida, like in my, the Miami area, that were like harvesting that and selling it as like a psychedelic. The slime off of the the yeah, gas top uh, uh, catfish. Yeah, I hate dealing with. It. I don't catch them
1: that often, but when you do, it's just like, oh man! <laughs> yeah. you know but people actually they actually eat them. I've heard they're pretty good to eat. You could go and it's just a, they're a pain to clean. I'm yeah, I'm sure, but you could go skin one and fry it up along with some some other fish, and probably people wouldn't even know the difference. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like they they eat. You know, quality. They have a quality food source as far as eating like yes. a trout or a yeah. redfish. So, yes, uh, they do. That's cool. So, yeah. this, who makes this seven? This massive fluke you're talking about? I've never even. Do you have one laying around? Zoom. It's no, Zoom? i do okay. not having. Zoom
1: makes the the Magnum fluke. They're yeah, the flute. eight and ten inch flukes. Yes. Wow. How how Zoom. what's how like tall? How
0: you know? They're the not they're
1: super tall. tall. They're you know they're inch and a half, two inches on the on the bigger where the where the Bottom of the EWG hook will go up in the little pocket there.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, they,
1: they they make some good ones. They they work pretty good. Like nose hooking them sometimes too. But when you have a lot of grass, like fishing those around like sand pockets and stuff in the grass flats here, you know you need a weedless presentation most of the time. So a lot of times I'll go to that when, like say in the spring and the water warms up and stuff, um, you'll get that floating grass and stuff, and you can't really work a top water as much. So, I'll go to like a weightless fluke or something like that. Um, I know that one, um, the one lure that, that's kind of the same, it's a little smaller, is that from Trout Support.
0: He uh-huh.
1: has some stuff like that that casts really well. Okay. And it's a weedless presentation like a, like a fluke. Kind of similar to, kind of be almost similar to this. Maybe a little stubbier.
0: Yeah. But yeah, this works great enough in the grass also. I'll have to so. get you to send some of the more, the like your buddy who paints the plugs and then that, that, company. yeah, I'm gonna send you
1: some. Well, no, just even something. just
0: send me the the website so that I can tag one here. Well, send me a package, send me a package for sure. But I, I think a lot of listeners will, will want to buy the, especially that, that soft yeah. plastic with the rattle because that's no one's fishing that up here. Uh, I think that'd yeah, be that was
1: pretty cool, you know. And then the, we have the, I'll, I'll use these a lot too for the trout, you know, when you want to go grab a. You know a limit on a popcorn or something, but they they make the shrimp that has it's like a dual paddle tail on the
0: shrimp. Oh, sweet! That's his. That's the kicking shrimp from the Grande. I knew as soon as I saw that I knew it was gonna have to have, have kicking in the name somewhere. With yeah, those two little, shrimp. those two little. uh
1: yep. little, little paddle tails on the back. Little paddle tails. Um, I think the original mold was called the Wave Shrimp back in the day. Um, he had he's lucky enough to get some of the, the molds. He does do the the big uh, curly tail grubs also in great colors. Um y'all check him out. He, we just started the saltwater stuff this year, really hitting it hard. He's, he'll he'll have some topwater stuff coming out too
0: Okay. That's
1: Grand, Grande, salt, Grande Grande salt. Grande salt water. Yep. Uh, uh, I'll send you the links and stuff over for that. Cool. Yeah, we'll yeah, throw he's, that he's, up. he's a good dude. He's out of Texas Dripping Springs. Um he makes some great bass lures too. I, I use this actually uses uh his crawfish imitations. He's done some saltwater colors for that and I use that a lot for
0: pitching to my redfish
1: sight sight fishing. Okay.
0: Yeah, the, that's one thing that that I've really gotten turned on to the past couple of years is fishing those creature baits for redfish. Uh, that little bit of movement and fishing them on like a football jig or something that stands yep. them up a little bit—that uh, you know how how a bass wants you to crayfish. It, it man, it yep. transitions so well for redfish.
1: It does. It looks like a, a crab.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Across the bottom,
0: also, um,
1: you know. It, it's just tough to beat them sometimes when the fish are keyed in with their nose down and stuff and they don't want to have nothing to do with a subsurface lure or nothing. They want something on the bottom right there, you know, right. puffing up the right. mud and scurrying around, you know, we get, getting off on the redfish, but oh, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> hey, I, <laughs> I, I, I love catching them too. Certain times of year, we have our, our great times over here in the fall, you know, it really turns off, you know, right now they're in the deeper, you know, channels and bayous themselves too, trying to stay warm in it, you know, warmer water right deeper water. right so um, it seems yeah, like, like they can like, handle, like,
0: handle the cold a yeah. little better
1: the they the handle snow. it down probably the water tip gets around 38 and they start having more issues trout you start getting below um over here you start seeing it below 45 for like, an extended period you better start worrying you better hope they're getting to deep water um say like the Intracoastal waterway or anything like that you know being those are you know it's not super deep but it's it's definitely a refuge form so you started seeing i think we started seeing some voluntary uh barge shutdowns where some of the operators were shutting down some of the barge traffic because all of the fish were congregating in the in the deeper water so you didn't want to go through and stir them all up and after they're already stunned they end up floating all up all over the place you know it's yeah you know i'm really hoping for the best from all this you know I, It'll it'll be tough to see a lot of dead fish floating, a lot of big fish floating. It, um, it
0: just it's cool though to see where your state is, where Texas is. Yeah, like the yeah. fact that they're shutting down the barge traffic and and you know taking these precautions. I, my buddy Wyatt who lives I can't remember where he lives, but he, he just moved to Corpus. Yeah, he just yeah to Corpus. Yeah, yeah, I
1: need to reach out to him because he he's he's caught some good fish lately too yeah. down there,
0: lower. Than- He's yep. a good dude, man. Y'all will like each other. He kayak fishes as well. But I was like, man, why don't you go? He's like, there's dead fish floating up everywhere down here. And I was like, you should go scoop them up so you can, you know, they're dead. You go fillet them up and freeze them and do something. He's like, you can't. It's illegal. And I, then he started to explain it, and it makes sense, yep. you know? like it, it. And I'm like, North Carolina would be like a madhouse of guys running around on their John boats, scooping up fish and taking them to the fish market it, trying to sell It them.
1: was. We had some major freezes in uh, the mid-83, 80, and then 89, we had a couple back-to-back ones and those were really devastating fish kills and people were lined up with just like treble hooks snagging all the stunned fish in the port mansfield harbor back in the day i wasn't here then but i heard some horror stories about it and uh you know and that's where it kind of led to um you know just certain areas are closed when it is below freezing for multiple days um like the harbors and the uh you know, industrial areas and the deeper channels, right. canals in the neighborhood canals that are deeper. Um, they shut it down to fishing. Mm. You know, They do. They, they uh, The Texas Parks and Wildlife does a good job of that stuff. Um, just so you're not out there taking advantage of the fish that are all basically like fishing in a barrel. You know, there's right. no sport in that. There's no sport in that at all.
0: No, no.
1: That's So cool. I'd, rather, I'd rather see the fishery preserved than 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 anything
0: anything else yeah maybe you don't get to go fish or guide for a couple days but it's for the longevity of the resource which is really the most important factor and
1: that's what's cool about texas is we do have some great um fisheries management and hatcheries here that they will be able to you know aid in the recovery um via the fingerlings and stuff um that the hatcheries redfish and trout included um trout are a little harder uh but they'll they'll definitely do what they can to to bring the fishery back yeah i'm just hoping it's not a big super devastating blow i mean there's a lot of people a lot of fishing guys like yourself here that depend on the the, the fishery here also for their livelihood um we don't have the commercial side of things as far as the trout the redfish um goes i think maybe the east coast still has some places that that take trout and redfish in the commercial side um That's they they don't commercial fish those here. There's commercial flounder fishermen that go and gig them and stuff like that. People that run line for drum. But as far as trout and redfish, that's not not part of the commercial industry here. And you know that's just the main livelihood for a lot of guides. You know that that they're going to depend on that. And I've already seen a lot of chatter online about you know most of them wanting to to enforce uh, catch and release on on their trips coming up. Yeah, they have trips coming up this year. Um, to really push that, you know, catch and release, which uh, has been a great thing that started on the east coast with the release over twenty initiative that was started. Um, and you know, I, I've I've been trying to push that myself. And you so you, sometimes you get some flack over here. You know, people are like, well, I, by by law I can keep one over twenty five, and I can have fifteen to twenty four inch fish. You know, five of them, I can keep whatever I want. It's like, well, I mean, just think about the resource. Think about those those bigger fish reproducing and, and, and helping the, you know, helping our fisheries out, you know, and that's just, I'm, I'm glad that that initiative's getting a little, right. little boost here lately. It's definitely, you know, picking up some steam over here also. And think over about it is too. Is
0: buying people. <laughs> like a 24 inch fish as opposed to an 18 inch fish. By the time you fillet that out and cook it, it is like one more cut with a fork, you know, yep. one more cut with that's a fork and a, and a small bite. And that's, that's all it is, you know? And yep. so so at, the, at that point people are really killing those fish for the picture they're killing them to, to do their dock shot and their hero shot hero shots yep. uh, but man
1: oh you can still get that hero shot on the water that's what that I'm, I'm saying
0: that's what get I'm that saying. swim away footage <laughs> get you that iPhone with the new wide angle lens man you can make that 24 look like a 27 <laughs> make it look good <laughs> exactly exactly oh man no doubt man <laughs> one other thing I want to talk about we've kind of touched on this a little bit but uh kind of share with people this is something i'm always always trying to push on here because personally it's where i do most of my learning um is through watching bass fishing content on youtube and and tactical bassing and lure freshwater lure stuff but being an avid bass angler like you are as well as an avid avid freshwater angler how, what kind of advantages do, where do you see that really advantage you or give you advantage i can't speak today um in the saltwater world man it's I don't, you just,
1: bass are finicky. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it just helps you focus that much more on, on choosing the right presentation and the right way to, to, to target that fish. Um, you know, they're, 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 their tendencies are very similar to a redfish to me. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, a lot of the lures cross over into the saltwater side you never you know you would never think oh man i'm not gonna catch redfish on that little two inch crankbait no i've my last trip to gulf shores alabama i caught six fish six redfish over 30 inches off a two inch river to sea square bill crankbait that's square Bons- bill Bons- man Bons- that- the Bon Secour river fishing tide tide bar little uh sandbar depth changes from like three to six foot. I caught one that's 47 inches. It was, you know, yeah. that's on a six, nine, you know, medium extra fast with a little lose
0: team. Lose light with 20 pound break. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That square <laughs> bill though, on, really fun. on aggressive redfish. That, that's uh, the first time I ever threw a square bill for redfish was last year. And granted, one thing you do have to do throwing a lot of the square bill baits for redfish is, is check your hooks because a lot of those light wire yes. hooks, uh, yeah, so you got to change them upgrade them change them yeah. upgrade them to a little bit heavier gauge but man it's such a perfect redfish bait and fishing around oyster yep. it, you know you, you snag the bottom you let it float up wiggle a little bit it yep. floats up man and and it, it, typically you need to fish it on a more a little bit more of an aggressive bite like if the fish are a yes. little lethargic it's, it's a little too yeah. much for them but that like morning yeah. low tide or mm-hmm. mid tide kind of thing in the summer man they will smoke that thing
1: oh they'll smoke it and, and that's the thing it's a it's a great search bait yeah so if you know the fish are in the area and they're, you're coming up to an area and you want to just fan cast to see where them fish are setting up it all those depth changes it's a, it's a really good bait and so, and, and so is a chatter bait around structure and grass the shallow grass and 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 you know uh salt grass lines cord grass ripping the chatter bait down around there is the same thing i mean it just looks like a it gets that little wobble. It looks like a little flea and bait fish. Yeah. And they smoke it just like they would a, a Redfish Magic Spinner Bait or the Z-Man um, Diesel Spinner Bait. Yeah. With a jig head with a little soft plastic, little uh, paddle tail on it.
0: The bites uh, are usually gnarly, too. <laughs> they're they're they'll, 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 They knock slack in the line. They'll
1: rip the rod out of your hand. And it's the same thing. It's just seeing that, just transitioning that stuff over and seeing what it's, what it's done for adding more baits to my arsenal when – Say when the, the redfish, you got the flood tides and they're pushed way back in the grass. Um, I find myself throwing a lot of soft-bodied, hollow-bodied frogs. Yeah, or ribbit or zoom ribbit ribbit frogs. The ribbit one frog's, one the frogs killer the top. Um, the uh, KVD popping perch. They make one that's a bone colored with an orange throat with pink on it. They they absolutely love that one over here, and then in, in the white one, the the, the ghost white. They actually love those over here. They they just demolish them when they're in the grass. And same thing with the with the weightless flukes up in the grass, you know. It just it just kind of transitioned from the bass side. Actually, spinner baits, you know, with the skirt on them and everything, I throw a paddle tail on them. Uh, a lot of that is transitioned over to our flats when we're sight fishing redfish and stuff over here. Also, yeah. And as we talked about earlier, the crawfish imitation baits are a big plus also. Um, but yeah, just the it definitely opens your eyes, you know. To having more more base in your arsenal to fool those fish, because remember we're we're fooling those fish with a with some plastic, <laughs> right, right. which is pretty cool. It is you know, cool in its own right. So, that is yeah, super cool. It, it does help you out, like you said, being you know coming you know being a fishing for bass. Also, the way the fish kind of it's more redfish that are kind of remind me of the bass, the way they eat and everything. So, but the trout you definitely uh the chatterbait man they they come up and smoke it on the on the sand pocket so so it's, it's definitely something to have that extra piece of gear in your arsenal for sure
0: yeah okay. yeah that's super cool that's super cool well man we're at an hour i think you guys if you are listening and you we're gonna slide over here on patreon and and continue recording some extra content on patreon for y'all um but before we get off of of the podcast is there anything else and by the way this is going to be yeah this will be podcast episode 101 so Whoa. I'm doing a live stream. I'm doing a live stream <laughs> next week. That's gonna go up for next week, and then this will go up the following week. But 101, man. Thanks for uh, Thanks awesome. doing it with me. It means we got to go to 200 now because we have broken 100. <laughs> and so it's uh, it's been a fun run, man. I've enjoyed it. But is there anything else that you want to touch on? You know, here on the public version of the podcast before we we move over to Patreon. If not, no worries at all. But if there, oh is. yeah,
1: just uh, everybody keep in mind that. Release over 20 initiative you know please please do your part for our fisheries and for our our kids and their their kids and grandkids in the future here to have have the same resource we have you know um i'm all about all of that so and just you know thanks to everybody that that reads the articles and and uh supports me in this industry i appreciate the support from from everybody and all the sponsors that support me for sure yeah thank you well
0: thanks thank you so much dustin man that was awesome awesome podcast guys thanks for so much for i cannot talk today (laughs) thanks so much for tuning in uh we've had a we've had a great show here today like i said we're sliding over on patreon we're going to record some extra content for y'all uh thank you so much to the patreon supporters and if you want some more content or want to help support just slide on over there five bucks a month super easy and super helpful but guys we will see y'all next well no we we'll see y'all next week but i keep thinking that this is going up before the uh, the live stream, but it's not. So hope you all enjoyed the live stream. Hope you all enjoyed this podcast. We'll see you all next week. Later.